Hey everybody, this is Sam and you're listening to the Deep End Podcast, the show that provides you with juicy relationship, intimacy and personal development tips. A podcast for deep thinkers and feelers who love personal growth and want to experience healthy relationships. Today I have a special guest and I'm going to be completely transparent. This is take two and in take one I called him a mega babe and then it feels a bit weird saying it again now, but here we are. This guest's name is Jordan Biffin, and he has been on a deep journey of transformation for the past five years, overcoming self-destructive behaviors such as pornography, addiction, alcohol and drug abuse, as well as toxic relationship patterns. Jordan now devotes his time as a life coach to help others overcome their unhealthy behaviors and all, which holds them back from thriving in life. And we're going to go straight into the deep end today and start off with a big question. But before we get into that, I just want to say thank you for coming on to the show, Jordan. It's been an interesting start, but it's fun. Interesting start, but, you know, it's all part of it. It's all part of it, yeah. So, yeah, let's start off with this toxic relationship. What does a toxic relationship mean to you? To me, a toxic relationship. But now I'm like questioning the word toxic because our conversation before this podcast around that word, and now I'm questioning like, does toxic actually still feel true for me? But what I meant, you know, when I sent that bio to you in, you know, the, the words that I use, toxic relationship, um, for me, like a toxic relationship is where like there there's actually trauma being created in the relationship and there's you know these um attachment unhealthy you know insecure attachment patterns playing out there's there might be abuse physical abuse emotional abuse and it's just like yeah in my in my head like toxic feels like just this never-ending destructive cycle and like not being able to see a way out and just like creating um trauma each other which is what I've experienced um so yeah for me when I use the word toxic um that's kind of what I what I have in mind yeah and that's how I've used it as well in the past and it wasn't until I I don't even know if it was Damien I can't remember but I was speaking to somebody or I kind of just came to this conclusion somewhere on my journey where I was like, this word toxic, it's like it toxic means poison, right? And I totally can see how we can poison each other with our trauma. We can poison each other with our wounding and our past pains, you know, hurt people, hurt people. But the is it actually um, empowering? Is it actually up like calling people into truth? Is it or is it shaming them? And so or are we shaming ourselves, you know, for being toxic? And this label has such a, like, toxic, the word toxic has such a strong connotation. And there's so many things that come to mind, like my 22nd birthday being spat on the face, Britney Spears dancing half naked on TV, you know, like so many things just come to mind <laughs> when I think about the word toxic. Um. So, yeah. Yeah, That's, and, like, yeah. You know, you know, like some people use the word toxic masculinity and I've seen, you know, I understand that actually that's not a, a helpful term to use because it's inherently shaming masculinity. And if you want to apply it to this, it's like, are we shaming 
you know, those types of relationships. And, you know, when I inquire into myself now, it's like maybe I do still hold a bit of shame around the way that I was relating back then and the experiences that me and my ex-partner were creating for each other. So, yeah, it's an interesting inquiry and I'm grateful that you've actually brought this up because it's like, oh, actually, is it actually supportive to use this language? Because, you know, words are spells, you know, words are actually powerful. So is there like a reframe that could be used, um, you know, to to not use that word so that we can actually become more empowered? And, and yeah, because ultimately if we just shame something, it, it just stays there in the shadows, you know, so... Yeah, I'm so hearing you on that. It's interesting because I was listening to, you know, when like synchronicities happen, like all the time. <laughs> um, Last week, I, was it last week? A couple of weeks ago, I was sick in bed and I was like, I don't, I'm really, I've watched, I love watching things that kind of I can learn from. I really struggle to watch movies and, and stuff like that. But I have been, anyway, it doesn't matter. I watched this thing with Caroline Mace and she was talking about like, you know, how we carrying around stories from our upbringing from things that our parents said to us or you know our teachers or our guides or our guardians whoever from a young age and we carry this funk around and I was like where's she going with this are we letting this shit go and she's like you need to be aware that your words do have power and so being very intentional and conscious and mindful about the words that we use because of like what you said, it does, they do cast a spell. And it's the shame piece that I really want to like kind of move into because the shame piece is really interesting, right? Like there's the toxicity, toxic masculinity, toxic femininity, all the things and the shame that is, what does shame mean to you? What does shame mean to me? It's such like a heavy, dense word for me. It's like shame. It's like this, like, oh, it's like this debilitating, sort of constricting, heavy. That That's how I even just saying, you know, feeling the word shame and being asked this question. I just, you know, it's like that's 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 what it, it feels like in my body. Um, yeah. And um, but. Yeah, my understanding of shame is that like, and I don't know, you may or may not agree, but it's like we actually, like shame is something that we receive from other people. So it's like other people's beliefs around certain stuff. So like, you know, a prime one is sexuality, you know? So it's like we shame something based off of the beliefs that we receive from you know, society or parents or, you know, people around us. Um, so yeah, for me, shame, when I, when I feel shame, when I notice that I like shame something about myself, it's like, okay, where have I received this from some somewhere outside of myself? Why do I shame that? You know, and really question why I, yeah, hold shame around that part of myself. Do you, is that something that you resonate with? Like, mm, yeah, definitely. It's like, the shame is, okay, I've been journeying with this for the last couple of weeks around shame, judgment, and resentment. And there's a huge, like, link here. I see it all. Like, resentment in relationships comes from the judgment that we place on them because the judgment's coming from a place that we shame within ourselves. So, like, if I see you as being selfish, 
if we were relating and I saw you as being selfish, it's because I'm shaming the selfish part of myself. So then I'm judging you for it. And then I'm resenting you for being fully expressed in that. Mm. Um, so shame is like, it's like a filter and it's a limitation and it's this, um, yeah, wow. It's really heavy. There is the the shadow of shame, but then there's also the shame that is like a barometer for integrity. You know, if I'm doing something that isn't in alignment to my morals or principles and I'm stepping out of my integrity, then shame acts as like a compass for that in a way. But mostly around sexuality, you know, like there is so much shame in that space. And I was having a conversation with a friend who you know, actually, um, Grace, this morning. And I was telling her, I'm like, I'm having a podcast episode today with Jordan. Anyway, um, and we were talking about um, monogamy and polyamory because I'm in this really open space at the moment and really just wanting to be um, exploring polyamorous style of relating and open relating, like fully immerse myself in that because I, I don't think I'm a monogamous person. And then I, like she was sharing about like, I'm a monogamish. We're just sharing our things, right? There is a question. Um, and I can see how monogamy calls us in for deeper intimacy. And I can also see how intimacy can be created from a more open style of relating. And I'm like wanting to experience all of the full spectrum of what it means to be human, you know. I'm not going to go kill somebody. I don't want to like dabble into that side of like being a human, you know, but like in terms of the the relating pieces, yeah. I want to experience as much as I possibly can as a human. So um, the question is like how much of our belief systems are a subscription to outdated paradigms from religion or from mostly religion? And what do you think about that? What, in terms of like relating specifically or? Yeah. 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 Like sexuality, uh, relating, I think sex and relating is all like intertwined in that. Well, I haven't gone too much into this. Like, you know, Dane Thomas was mentioned prior to this podcast and he, you know, he's got so much knowledge around this stuff. Like, but my understanding of the way that religion has influenced sexuality in relationships is you know, the, the Christian church is a prime example of this. Um, and I don't know when it, it dates back to, but I think they, like the like the Christian church had this, you know, this is all just based off assumptions, but it feels true for me. And it's what I've heard in like other podcasts as well, um, is that, you know, they found a way to like really gain control over the masses and to control people. And I think they realized that like when people were like, bonded more in a monogamous relationship they're more easier to control because if people are openly sharing love it's like that I don't know people are just a bit more wild and a bit more dangerous and adventurous you know so my theory is that yeah they they brought in monogamy as a way to like control people and also um to 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 shame sexuality and to make it wrong and to make it dirty because you know i'm sure that you can also agree that someone who's like 
very deeply connected to their sexuality in a in a in a healthy and liberated way is someone that's actually harder to control and to manipulate you know so that's why i believe you know the christians say you know no i'm not saying christianity is wrong if anyone's watching this who's a christian that that's totally okay and yeah i think people who have shame around their sexuality are people who are easier to control and yeah yeah and i think i think you know my understanding of religions isn't that great but i think it there's a few other religions as well like that involve like arranged marriages and you know I, i spent six months traveling india which is like a very sexually repressed country and there's this so much sexual abuse and pornography addiction from this like sexual repression you know which has been brought in by certain religions and you know in certain countries women have to cover their bodies and um it's actually very hard to prosecute men who rape women in these countries and you know quite often the men will blame it on the women like it's their fault because they expose their shoulders or they expose their fucking knees or something you know so i think yeah also like the the patriarchal piece coming in as well of like um men who are high up in religions maybe brought this stuff in as a way to like control women so yeah i mean there's so many layers to this so and it, many it's such a rabbit hole and yeah my understanding of it is limited but that that's kind of my beliefs around it that yeah many religions use sexuality and relationships as a way to control the masses yeah as you were speaking a lot was coming through for me because I was like really feeling into my experience as a woman and growing up in a very transformative time in humanity you know like technology has advanced extremely I used to work in HR so I had like the experience of I started working in HR when the laws started to change and all these like policies came in and but I've still experienced sexual innuendos out in the workplace and have you know been objectified and I'm not a victim to that but it's been present and so I can understand this undercurrent of uh resentment that is towards the patriarch which then I think the misunderstanding is that patriarch equals men that's not the case it's not about men this is about a system um that's in place that is orientated towards masculine style of operations where there isn't around like there isn't um anyway masculinity is different to men as well masculine is a whole other it's an archetype in my opinion and same with feminine femininity is an archetype but um yeah when you were speaking about all this repression and and all these things you know like I have such a sacred relationship with God and I don't feel the need to go to church to experience grace I can experience grace whenever I tune into spirit and it's a nourishing relationship that I get to create and have it's very personal for me right um And then I also notice that the power of my pussy, you know, and the power that this, this part of me has in, um, and has had in life. Um, so I can see that 
there is like yeah uh in the 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 macro kind of zoomed lens the macro lens zooming out and looking from the out like looking from the the greater picture I don't even know if I'm making sense right now but looking at like the higher pieces of this like religion being at the top or whatever noticing that it's the the power play of control because what you said something that you said was like this thing around like controlling people who are like wanting to be in love and all that and I think what happens is when we're connected to our sex and our life force we're connected to creation and therefore we're corrected connected to free thinking and if we think for ourselves there's limitless possibilities like what you said it's like uncontrollable um so those were some of the pieces that came up for me and open to hearing anything that you have to share about that and also very curious about what your personal experience has been like with sex and sexual addiction and porn addiction and where you think that's come from so there's a few things there a few questions in one yeah so what's just came to me there which I feel like is important to share is like like when we connected to our sexuality like that is the current of life right and it's like when we connected to that I believe it's like we're in our power but when we're disconnected from that when we shame the part of us that is so inherent and so innocent and so pure like we're actually disconnected from our power right so yeah it just follows on from this you know piece of like shame that's what I was thinking when you were speaking shame is such a weapon it is it's debilitating you know it's like if you want to debilitate someone like just implant like like plant into their their minds that you know just give them some shame you know and it will just debilitate them yeah because like with shame it's that fear it's oh god so much so much you know our basic human need of wanting to belong and then like shaming people is like a form of rejection or disapproval mainly and then that disapproval feeds into that need to belong and there's this like dance between you know not expressing ourselves fully because the shame is crippling us and that is a weapon yeah yeah and it's like you know when we hold shame it's like we also experience guilt because it's like oh feeling shame about and then it's like you feel guilty for the shame because you think you're wrong or you think you're you know yeah that you know you shouldn't be doing experiencing whatever it is you're experiencing so you feel guilty and there's fear around judgment so it's like it's just this you know this 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 like cup of like guilt uh shame and fear and it's just like yeah it's a slippery slope so how did you overcome your shame of your sexual addiction or your porn addiction i basically a big part of me of my healing journey around this and overcoming the shame around my sexual tendencies it's like Yes, I'm no longer addicted to porn, but my my sexual desire is still just as strong as it was then. It's just that I've actually realized that it's just a part of me and I've like integrated it in a healthy way. And like actually a big help for me was like researching into the science behind it because like 
it got to a point where I was just like, actually, I'm really curious, you know, and I'm sure you can agree that like any inner work, like curiosity is so important. Like the ability to like look at oneself with like a loving, curious eye is so important for me anyway. Um, so I just got really fucking curious about, okay, there's this part of me that just wants to fuck. Yeah. This part of me that just like, just wants to fuck this energy just wants to come through me. But why, 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 why is that? So I learned that basically on like a scientific level, a biological level, there's like also for women, female bodies, but more so for male bodies, like we are built in a way to spread our genes far and wide because the the success of our race depends on it, right? If men stopped fucking, like everyone would just die out, right? Yeah. We know new people being born. So there's part of us that like, you know, our genes just want to be spread. It's it's life. Life is coming through us to make more life, essentially. And when I realized that, like actually, like just, you know, life is life is sacred, you know? It's like this sacred energy wants to come through me, but it's actually coming through in a way that's, that is creating more damage for myself because pornography has, you know, all these damaging effects on the brain. So it's like, yeah, life wants to come through me, but it's actually coming through in an unhealthy way. So understanding that actually, you know, this, the, these desires is actually this life coming through me that just helped me to remove the shame because yeah, to me, life is just sacred. Mm. So I'm just going to name what I'm feeling in my body right now and do what we did on the weekend because we met for the first time for listeners. Jordan and I met for the first time at the seminar on Saturday. Miroslav Petrovic was doing a thing called Ignited and what I really took away from that experience and not just like not acknowledging what you've just shared, but I just want to speak into something. What I took away from that experience was Miroslav's awareness of like the energy that was moving through the room. And we're not in the same room right now. We're on a Zoom call, but I can feel your energy. It is like your transmission is moving energy through me and that that there's an innocence to that. And it's also really hot. <laughs> But there's like, there's just this energy that's like, you know, moving through you. And I think that there's this confusion of like, what do we do with this energy? What do we do with this feeling? This like erotic eros, you know? And it sounds like you have learned how to integrate it rather than it being something that controls you and that you're not in control of. You're now aware of it. And it's not an unconscious or a shadow or it's not something that's playing out unconsciously where you are just wanting to fuck and spread your your seed. It's now becoming more attuned to your standards, your values, discerning, and, and then becoming aware of this energy and directing it into different areas of your life, not just into a pussy yeah yeah can I, can I be that forward I mean I think <laughs> yeah no you know with directing the energy into a pussy or any other hole or crevice um <laughs> yeah or other hole or crevice yeah I was thinking that but I was like how do we want to yeah I mean against all the other holes like it can there's go a in. few others yeah <laughs> but yeah like you said it's like yes I, I still have all this desire I still have 
this part of me that wants to fuck. And sometimes I let that out and I just fuck for the sake of fucking because fucking feels good, you know? And at the same time, it's like, okay, how can I also use this energy to benefit me in other ways? And also, I don't want to say that like I'm completely healed from my addictive behaviors. It's like the other day I had this urge to watch porn, you know, and instead of watching porn, I was like, I'm just going to use this energy to go to the gym. And I just went to the gym and just threw loads of weights around and made loads of like grunts and noises and just like, just like, and it felt fucking great, you know? So yeah. And it's like, you know, I can direct it towards creative projects or, you know, any, you know, I can move it in my body. I can feel it and appreciate it and dance it through my body if I want, you know? So yeah, I want to say that because I think it's so common for men to feel the desires and be like, I have to release this energy. I have to ejaculate. I have to let it out now. And actually that's like a, a disempowered state. Like I'm not yeah. shame. There's nothing wrong with that. If that's how you want to use your energy. But like, to me, if you're at the mercy of your sexual desires, that's being disempowered to your sexual desires. You know, it's like, there's not much containment there. So a big part of my journey of maturing and evolving has been like actually to learn to contain the energy that that is in me and like wants to come through me thank you for doing that work on yourself I have related with somebody who has had similar experiences to what you've described but has yeah at the time whatever at the time it was like yeah not really there wasn't the self-awareness and I imagine it might have been the same for you in some ways as a woman being on the receiving end of that you know like for me not being able because I have a high sex drive as well and then being met in that with the partner is amazing but then also somebody exceeding that and not being able to meet them in that and then feeling the pressure of that and then being pressured, which is what my experience has been. Um, yeah, it was, you know, teaching me how to, it was teaching me how to really step into holding my boundaries in that space and not allowing myself to, to be pressured. But then the consequence of that was disconnection because this person was disconnecting from themselves because the addiction was overpowering them. And I could see that you can't tell an addict they're addicted though. They have to come to that conclusion themselves. Right. So what was your journey like? Like, when did you, sort of come to realize that this was overpowering you well for me it's like it's actually a gradual process and it's still a gradual process of learning to understand myself more and my habits and my desires and you know my sexuality is constantly evolving and growing um even still however there was definitely a significant point in my life where i reached a certain point it was like i can't continue to relate in this way and to connect intimately with this way. Cause I was just leaving a trail of destruction behind me. And, you know, it got to this point of like, actually, I like, I don't want to be, yeah, ex like experiencing the connection in this way. Cause it just doesn't feel good, you know, like having women share with me, how how hurt they feel like constantly you know it's like every woman I related with like it was good and then I would 
something would happen. You know, I wasn't honest with who I was connecting with on the side or like, you know, I was just like super fucking avoidant, like super fucking avoidant. And just got to a point where it's like, actually I need to like, I need to fucking heal myself because this just can't continue. So I actually was celibate for over a year and I didn't even kiss anyone in that time period. And I was like, made the agreement with myself that I'm not going to connect with anyone until I've healed myself, until I've built a healthier relationship to my sexuality. And in that time period, I like really, yeah, overcome my pornography habits and read lots of books on, you know, Tantra and, you know, read the multi-orgasmic man and learned to have like non-ejaculatory orgasms and just like, you know, all that sort of, um, yeah, work, you know, like the Taoist stuff, the tantric stuff. Um, yeah. So that was like a significant point for me. That was, when was that? That was like about three years ago, actually, that, that, that time period happened for me. What? You was were you celibate in 2020? No, I was celibate. When was I celibate? I was celibate in 2019. Okay, I was celibate yeah. in 2020. I went, yeah, interesting. I just love hearing people's stories, and you know, when like you know, I I just love relating as well because it's kind of like, wow, I have somewhat of an understanding of what you've been through, but then I also don't have any clue because your experience in this world is different to mine. But yeah, the celibacy for over a year, that's a long time. I lasted like six, no, eight months. <laughs> yeah. What was your reason for going celibate? Um, so I broke, my partner and I, like one of my greatest loves, we broke up over New Year's for 20, from 2019 to 2020. He's at that breakup, that relationship, fail, the ending of that relationship is the reason why I do what I do because I didn't couldn't find any tools that were going to help us understand each other better so anyway um and then basically I got involved with this woman called Lorna Johnson who had um was teaching a tool called shadow alchemy and I went deep into shadow work and she was like you need to cut off all communication from flirtatious like dating relating with men for 12 months and I was like bow down to Lorna I just handed my power over in a silver platter I didn't really think for myself it was a bit culty I kind of lost myself in that but um yeah I proclaimed it online I don't know if I cut off flirty behavior because I'm such a flirt but um I did my best I definitely cut off sexual communication with men and then I went deep into my body and I had let like it was such a journey because I was so caught up in my head for a very long time and like I struggled to have orgasms with men. I it's there's only you know one man who I've been able to connect with in a very consistent way, which was that past lover, past relationship. So I really did a lot of work on myself and coming back into my body. And there was multiple reasons, and I think I've just named a few. Um, yeah, and I don't, I couldn't recall whenever a time where I had actually been alone or like not really dated. I've always had a distraction from like being a child, you know. Like my dad left when I was four. My stepdad came along, didn't really click with him at all. So I've had that absence of a father figure 
So, you know, I can definitely say I have daddy issues and therefore that shows up in the way that I look at men. I just like develop, I'm like from a young age would have a crush and that would just be an easy thing that I would feel. Um, There was something else I wanted to say about this. Yeah. So were you still self-pleasuring in this mo- in this period? Yeah, of self- I wasn't. I wasn't abstinent. I was still self-pleasuring. Were you self-pleasuring? Yeah, yeah. Like that was actually like an important part of my healing process to, to learn to connect with my own body and to become aroused, you know, with my own touch and my own presence. Yeah. Rather than externalizing my pleasure on a screen. It's like how can I just be with myself and create, you know, arousal you know, within, from within myself. And I, yeah, that's actually such an important piece for men who, um, yeah, watch a lot of porn. Cause it's like, they're getting aroused by this external stimulus and they become reliant on it, either porn or even going into fantasy. So yeah, it's so important to be able to, yeah, generate pleasure and arousal from within yourself. So I went through that cause I also had a porn thing. I also had an addiction to orgasms. I used to masturbate and I remember one time masturbating so much that I had like 30 orgasms. I was just sitting there. I was like, okay, let's go for the next one. Let's go for the next one because we can have multiple orgasms. I almost like vibrated my clit off. (laughs) Poor thing. So as, yeah, my poor clit. Um, I get to, I get to Moama, my brother's little cabin in this small town on the Murray River and 2020 hits March, you know, COVID hits. So that's when I became celibate. So I spent, not only did I, was I celibate, but I spent most of 2020 alone, like by myself living in this cabin in a deserted caravan park because borders were closed. So I, my vibrator broke broke as I got there, of course. you know, that's no mistake. So I had to do that as well. Like I, I just stopped using, I still used a, like a penetrative tool because my hands don't suffice, but um, yeah, I went deep into that as well and reconnecting with my clit in a way that was without needing, you know, the vibrator and like learning about my clit, learning about where the sensitive spots were and breathing into that. And then also learning about my yoni and my vagina and like all of that, just going deep into that. But the the thing was I also stopped watching porn too. So I cut out all of the external pieces. And what I found was movement. Like I, I was just doing erotic dancing for myself you know, and just moving the energy of Eros and moving the energy of that within my my system. And I did that most nights because I had nothing else to do. I wouldn't watch Netflix or anything like that. I would just be with my body. And I developed this, yeah, really intimate relationship with myself. And it sounds yeah. like you've been on a similar journey. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of similarities there. So, like, when it comes to, you know, yeah teaching men about this sort of actually I'm curious because like I know that within myself from my journey of like developing an attunement to like the sensitivities of my body I've become more attuned to my lovers I'm very curious about like what this journey has been like for you as a man in a male body and how you show up now in the bedroom with 
the opposite sex? Yeah, for me, like learning to be more present with myself and like okay we've just had an internet moment so i'm filling in the airtime with my beautiful voice while you come back okay great so wow. all i got was presence and then what did you say <laughs> so basically what i said was what i've learned is that like the more present i can be with myself and like not have a goal or an agenda sometimes you know sometimes I want to ejaculate and that's fine but just like just being with my body just because it feels good you know and accessing those like more tender sensual parts of myself like I'm actually able to experience that in intimacy with another person you know so it's like we can only connect with other people to the level that we've connected with ourselves so yeah I mean yeah, my my love making at at the moment is the best it's ever been, you know, and it's like a continual evolution and growth of yeah, like the more I connect with myself, the more I can connect with other people, the more I can be present with myself, the more I can be present with others. So yeah, it's like if you want better sex, I've shared about this on my social media as well. It's like if you want better sex than you're having in this moment learn to be more present with yourself learn to be more attentive with yourself did i love this thank you because this is like just you being in it is like giving permission to other men to also do this sort of work and women as well you know like don't want to discriminate against whatever gender whatever gender you identify as like people um okay so uh, the worst thing that a man has said to me in the bedroom is, did you come? And it's like, okay, let me just fully express myself without it needing to be anything other than just pleasure being expressed however it comes out of my, you know, body and sound and all that sort of stuff. But then at that that question adds so much pressure and removes the presence it's like where are we going now it's the goal it's the goal it's the goal so um thank you for bringing your presence into the present moment <laughs> I feel like you were about to say something yeah well something that just wants to come through so like please have a piece that I feel like is so important especially people who have uh conditioned their brains through pornography which a lot of people have is that like pornography desensitizes you so a big part of the healing journey from stepping away from pornography is like being more sensitive, which looks like just slowing down, you know, unfortunately, because there's a lack of like healthy sex education for kids growing up. A lot of kids are turning to porn for education. So it's like a big part of the journey is like unraveling that, you know, those beliefs of like having to fuck like a porn star and having to fucking you know vibrate your clit until it fucking falls off you know like <laughs> till it numbs out it numbs out yeah it's like actually slowing down and bringing more sensitivity into the body because you can actually when you're able to do that you're able to experience more 
a lot more pleasure when you're more sensitive you know you can feel more you're not you know you're, you're not numbed out so yeah it's just another important piece that I wanted to share yeah I really love that did you thank you for sharing that did you notice an amplification of sensitivity which obviously you just said but like you know I'm curious like because I've had great sex you know I've had amazing sex in the past and I'm just like this is phenomenal but then I didn't realize that that was just here level sex you know until I went into this inward journey and then now it's like holy crap I don't even think I've had the best sex that I've ever had that I could possibly have yet you know like there's so many layers to this um so did you notice a difference in pleasure and that like paradigm shift within your belief system of like did you have a belief system that you were having great sex first of all and then if you did did that shift after you went inwards and did your celibacy thing yeah I mean I was definitely having sex that was pleasurable it was definitely pleasurable although a lot of times I was intoxicated so that Sometimes, you know, sometimes that can actually increase pleasure, but sometimes it can actually numb out depending on this, you know, the substance that you've got in your body. Um, yeah, I was like, the sex was definitely pleasurable, but it was like disconnected. There wasn't, there wasn't any heart there. And for me, like nowadays, even if it's just something that's casual, it's like, I can't help, but you know, my heart needs to feel connected. There needs to be some form of like emotional connection. And that actually creates more pleasure. You know, when there's like an openness, you know, not just in the sex, but also the heart, it's like, ah, oh, that's, you know, and, and it's not saying that, you know, you can't be super kinky and, you know, explore that side of things. But like, for me, like the heart piece is, is so important. And that actually is what adds so much more pleasure, which I've yeah, been able to unlock in this, in this journey is like actually like feeling safe enough to like open my heart. I'm smiling because as somebody who orientates towards avoidant tendencies myself, I'm hearing you speak about landing into your heart and I'm like, hmm, what's your journey been like there if you're typically avoidant or have been typically avoidant? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a journey. And like for me, like even now, it's like I can open my heart in the moment, but it's like afterwards, it's like that's when I feel the avoidance, you know? It's like in the moment I've got no issues opening my heart and like making love in the most deep like way. But then it's like afterwards, that's when I, that's when the avoidance stuff comes in for me now. Whereas before it was like in intimacy and after intimacy, whereas now it's just more sort of after the intimacy, if that makes sense. What were some of the symptoms that you were feeling when you were avoidant in intimacy? And this is more for people who are listening that identify or relate mostly with avoidance sort of tendencies. Like I'm curious to hear what your experience has been like and I want to kind of like share what mine is like, see if there's any similarity there. Yeah, it's a good question. I've never really thought about it. Um yeah, I guess just the way that I, I that we were connecting. So maybe I wouldn't like, um, you know, there'd be no like really eye gazing or stuff like that. It was just we were just there for the physical pleasure, not for like the emotional connection or like, um, 
yeah, maybe, maybe like I wasn't that sensitive. I wasn't that like caring, actually. I wasn't caring, you know, so yeah, there'd be no aftercare or, you know, I just wouldn't reply to their messages or, but yeah, in terms of the actual intimacy, which was the original question. Um, yeah. How, how do I explain it? Just like, yeah, I was just in it for the physical pleasure. You know, if, does, does that answer your question? I wasn't like, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I noticed this part of me that like with the eye gazing, if I ever had the eye gazing and those sort of intimate experiences, I'd feel really overwhelmed. Like my body would get that rush and my nervous system wouldn't be able to handle that level of intimacy. It's like the pleasure was there, but this de depth of connection, I just felt so much energy in my heart space and fear because I have been you know burned in the past and it's not burned but experienced heartache and all the things you know so then through that that's when I would close off and the avoidant tendencies would come but acknowledging and recognizing that so now when it comes up it's like leaning into that for me and just like uh holding space for that energy but not running away from it and sitting in the discomfort of it because it still comes up like that that the, the avoidant you know it's a it takes time to to turn to change our nervous systems I think Damien was saying this to me that like it can take up to two years for our nervous systems to change I think for people like you and I who are really sort of like solidly doing the work all the time <laughs> most of the time you know it can take maybe nine months Damien was saying um so for those of you who don't know, Damien Bola is a mentor of mine and Jordan's done some work with him as well. That's how we kind of connected. And, yeah, I trust legend. him. Yeah, he's a legend. I trust whatever he says. <laughs> Love you. Love you, Damien. Shout out. Um, so, yeah, did you have similar sensations? Is that something that you experience or have experienced in avoidancy? Well, just like avoiding avoiding intimate moments and like experiencing like uh unease in connection. Yeah, that physical sensation of like overwhelm in the heart space in particular, where you're just like this is a lot of energy to hold right now. Yeah, for me, well, it, yeah, yeah, that and like for me, it's more like nervous system stuff, you know. It's like for me, like avoidance is just this feeling of just like just wanting to be on my own, just wanting to run away from everyone and just to like, you know, go to my own house and just like lock all the doors, windows and just like, then I'd feel safe when no one's around me. It's like that, that's how avoidance feels for me. Um, yeah. yeah, I definitely, you know, and I still experience that, that now sometimes of just like, Oh, just get away from me. I just like, just like, cause it's actually hard to like, feel myself it's hard to actually breathe it's like I just want to like feel myself you know and it's like when I'm too close to someone it's like it's hard to feel me you know so yeah that's how it shows up for me mm, I love that awareness of it um what are you yeah how are you moving and navigating that because I imagine that your past relationships you've had like you were saying toxic, going back to the beginning, 
full circle and I'm just being mindful of time we have set some time aside and I just want to check in with you and see how much time you have available like can we extend this for another 10 minutes are you yeah is that cool um yeah so uh you've been on a journey for five years you went celibate three years ago you've been really tuning into some healing within yourself and your relationship patterns and you're aware that the avoidant tendencies are still there um again this is coming back to like that overpowering thing you know like the sex addiction you're aware of it you can channel that like this part of you that wants to run away you're aware of it I don't think that there's anything wrong with being alone, by the way. Like I'm a firm believer. It's like coming into secure attachment, you know, having the balance between sovereignty and or agency and like companionship. So yeah, what's your journey been like there? What with like healing my attachment? Yes. Behaviors. Yeah. So yeah, I've actually recently come out of a very deep relationship. We were together for two and a half years we separated like three months ago and yeah a lot of that was was actually healing healing our insecure attachment behaviors and it's more so towards the end of like the last year year and a half of the relationship that we really started to like yeah support each other in in healing our insecure attachment um, patterns and yeah and for me like the avoidance that the avoidance is a bit more sneaky than the anxious it's like anxiety the feeling of anxiety in the body is it can be easily felt you know in the nervous system it can be easily felt whereas avoidance it like my experience is like as an avoidant it's like i can appear fine you know, it's like, no, I'm fine. Like, I'm not feeling anything. Like, it's, well, yeah, I'm not feeling anxiety. Like, I'm cool. But actually, there's this, like, subtle dysregulation there. So for me, it's, like, actually really being able to be more sensitive to my nervous system of, like, and for me, one thing I've learned from Damien is, like, when I'm in my mind and, like, these stories of, like, wanting to, like, just be on my own or run are, like, looping, looping that's actually a form of dysregulation so yeah it's like having the awareness of okay what's what's happening in my mind and also what's happening in my nervous system and I think with any insecure attachment patterns like my understanding my experience is like the best way to to heal them is actually to speak about them with your partner and to be like you know I'm feeling this way you know and then be like okay how how can I support myself here and how can my partner support me so you know I can get my needs met so actually it feels safe for me because I think a part of avoidance is because it doesn't feel safe which is why we want to run so it's like when we know that it's actually safe or when our partner says to us actually yeah have some time do what you need to do look after yourself I'm here when you're ready to come back and as an avoidant when I hear that when I hear that like it's okay for me to be on my own and I can come back whenever I want it's like that actually makes me want to lean back in. Whereas if I'm made wrong, you know, uh, and it's easier said than done because someone who's anxious will be, sometimes they might get more anxious. If they hear from their partner who's avoidant, it's like that might make them more anxious. But if they have the awareness to this, be like, actually, 
you do what you need to do. I fully fucking support and love you. And my heart is open when you want to come back into connection. Like for me, that's just like, ah, like, and you know, nine times out of 10, I'll go off, but I won't go off for that long. And then I'll come back. And for me, those little like micro wins accumulate to like, you know, the macro win and create more secure attachment in the nervous system. Yeah, it's so interesting hearing you speak into this because like the awareness and the knowledge that I have about the male body and the male brain and the hormones, you know, for men to replenish their testosterone to bring their hormones back into balance, space is actually what's required in relationships. So I'm also like curious about whether or not this desire and need for space is just a biological male thing or is it avoidance or could it be both? Hmm. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it could be, it could be both. Definitely. Like just because a man wants space doesn't mean he's being avoidant. Like something that I question myself, like when I would get labeled as some of my behavior oh you're just being avoidant it's like am I being avoidant or am I just fucking taking care of myself am I being secure you know and it's like there's a reason men why men have so many men have man caves you know they have a part in the house they have a garage with all their fucking tools and whatever their hobbies include and it's like it's so important for men to have a space where it's just their space you know and I really in, in the relationship like because in my previous relationship it's like we were very close there was some enmeshment there and it's like actually I just needed to have my own space so, you know we were sharing where well, we had our own rooms but we were quite often just like it didn't feel like my space so when I was like actually no this this is my space you know and so that helped to soothe me you know a space where I could just go and meditate and self-pleasure or whatever I wanted to do so yeah I think there's a reason why so many men have have those spaces you know it's important I'm an advocate for the man cave 100% my brother has one like he's turned his garage into one I think it's absolutely essential and necessary I also think think it's absolutely essential and necessary for men to be around other men you know like in more of a mainstream environment going out with the boys or the lads on the weekend I don't really feel like drinking culture is you know, I don't sort of advocate that because I think alcohol is a numbing substance um, and each their own. But having the time with the boys and the bros is absolutely necessary. And then what it looks like in people like in, in the culture that we're immersed in is more like men's work and men's groups. And I equally think that women need that too, sisterhood, you know, working, sitting in circle with other women and, and holding each other. And also, like, I noticed that um, I'm so passionate about this. I think that, like, you know, when men can connect with other men, there's a different energy of when you're sharing with each other. Um, it it keeps your hormones balanced in a different way to if you were to share your emotions in your relationship. We can create a bit of a polarity that... Uh, causes hormonal imbalance and that's where I think that it's really important for women to also learn how to self-regulate and go to their female friends to vent and talk about their emotions and to self-soothe and learn how to manage their emotions and then come back with clarity to the relationship you know if we can take self-responsibility in how we are what we're bringing to the relationship 
you know, what selves, what part of ourselves are we bringing to the relationship? No, we don't need to like dilute ourselves or anything like that. But I do believe that there is an accountability piece there. And what it looks like from what you're saying is a man cave for men to go and have that space to process or meditate or self-pleasure as you described. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's so important to like, you know, if you're if you're in a relationship and you're just you're you know either one of you is triggered like to constantly bring your process to your partner is going to put so much strain on the relationship like to have a coach a mentor a friend a women's group a men's group to process your stuff is so fucking supportive it's something that i actually really learned because yeah constantly bringing your process to your partner like it's actually just going to create disconnection in, in my experience mm-hmm um yeah so can can we talk about that real quick what did you notice when you when you were processing with your past lover past partner what when I was constantly processing with them in the relationship yeah it was just like it just well yeah we were just it just creates dysregulation it's like when you're constantly when one of you is dysregulated and you're bringing it to the other person it's like yes they might be able to hold you and stay regulated but like it discorrects dysregulation in both of your nervous systems. And um, yeah, like dysregulation is not the recipe for like, you know, connection, you know? Um, Yeah. And it just, you know, you have less time for like actually intimacy with each other. And yeah, I feel like it just, it just, it just kind of kills the relationship a little bit if you're constantly in process and it Mm. can be draining can confirm I was recently in something like that and that's something I experienced um so like I guess you know this is something I'm really passionate about and I think that like we have very similar views on this what are some tips that you could give people in self-regulating self-processing and then like creating intimacy in the relationship where you're not bypassing what you've just moved through but like creating connection through what you've just discovered about yourself your triggers you know, because when we're in relationship, I imagine what you experienced with your past partner was that she was just revealing parts of yourself that you could potentially love and accept more or heal through from whatever triggers were coming up. Yeah, what advice would you have for people who are currently processing in their relationships and how to create more of an empowered approach? I would say like a big one is self-responsibility. So it's like, yes, our partner's actions may impact us emotionally. We may feel certain emotions based off of what our partner said or did or whatever. But if we're going to blame our emotional experience on our partner, all that's going to do is create disconnection. It's like it was, it's our responsibility to take, to take responsibility for our emotions and that, that empowering like if we're blaming people experiences for our emotional experience to me that's disempowered so yeah number one i would say take responsibility for your emotions um a great way to self-soothe or to process is to just like write about it you know is to actually separate also a big one i learned from damien is to separate what's going on in the physical body the emotional body and the mind so it's like you know stories that I might have is like my partner done this you know it's their fault 
And those stories might create certain emotion of resentment, blame, anger, whatever. And then those emotions may create physical sensations like a tightness in my throat or uh, my heart's beating. So it's like being able to, in a triggered state, actually sit down. Oh, what am I feeling in my body? I'm feeling these sensations. Oh, what emotions? What stories? And to really just like be curious and present with the emotional experience. And then from that place, you can start regulating your nervous system because it kind of like deconstructs it. Because otherwise the the stories, the emotions and the sensations can all just get mis- mishmashed, you know? And it's like, it's hard to see a way through it. So yeah, that's a great, it's a great tool that I use all the time. And like, you know, I'm a big advocate of embodiment, you know, really being in the body, using dance, using movement, using sound to express how I'm feeling. Um, yeah and also you know if you don't want to bring it to your partner if you're you know finding yourself always coming to your partner to process reach out to a friend reach out to a family member you know yeah there's so many different ways of processing this stuff like I could be here all day to give Mm. tips but yeah I would say that yeah self-responsibility and like really just be curious and loving you know be kind to yourself on the journey because it can be quite a lot I love this. One thing that's come through as you're speaking is what I'm hearing is the sense of like teamwork approach, you know, where it's like if you're, so if I'm in a relationship with somebody and something's coming up for me, like with my past partner, I had this desire to be with a woman. And so I came to him and I said, look, I feel like I'm emotionally cheating on you with this woman who has been in my life, blah, blah, blah. You know, just being completely transparent, open and honest. And um, I approached it in a way where I was like, look, I don't need you to tell me what, like, how do you think we can move forward with this? Because this is something that's alive and true for me. And then we tackled it as a team. It wasn't like personal for him. It wasn't something that he needed to change or I needed to change. It was something that came up that presented itself. So that's what I'm kind of like hearing you speak about as well is, you know, within all of that is like not blaming each other for the the wounding and the triggers. It's like you're revealing something within myself that I can heal. Yeah. 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 Teamwork. Yeah. I love that word teamwork. It's like not, not fighting for who's right or who's wrong, but like acknowledging that like each other's experience is valid even if you don't feel like you've done anything wrong, but just acknowledging that each person's experience is, is valid. Yeah. And like working as a team is so important. Mm, I love that. So thank you for joining me on this podcast. It's been, I could seriously talk to you for so long, so much longer. We're in such a good like flow state together now, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been great. Yeah. We could do another one. We can have another chat for sure. Um, so tell me how can people contact you? I mean, I'm going to share all of your contact details in the show notes. Um, but yeah, you're showing up more online now. What's the best way to stay in touch with you? So yeah, I'm pretty active on social media. So Facebook, Instagram, it's just my name, Jordan Biffin. Um, yeah, I'm quite active on there, sharing a lot about my own personal journey, sharing my offerings on there. So people who want to follow me um people who might have any questions i'm open to questions as well just send me a dm and yeah i would love to hear from people and receive some new followers 
Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. And it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you about all the things. And I just, oh, yeah, it's such a juicy conversation. It's really hard to kind of like close it off because we are in such a great flow. Um, but yeah. Yeah, we'll continue. Thanks for listening, guys. I will catch you on the next episode.